And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting across the multiverse, from the heights of Hlidskjalf to the depths of Niflheim, from the MCU to the DCU, from the slopes of Mount Olympus and beyond, you are tuned to the immortal sounds of Radio Free Asgard. And hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 356 of Radio Free Asgard. We're the only Thor podcast hosted by a true descendant of Odin, and we're coming at you, as always, from beautiful Chicago, Illinois. My name is Tom Harris. Welcome along to the show. And a very happy Canadian Thanksgiving to all of our Canadian listeners out there. If we still have any, I'm not sure. I haven't heard from Mark lately. Last I heard, he was getting ready to get married, of all things. Uh, So, yeah, and if uh, Scott's out there listening, happy Canadian Thanksgiving to you as well. And, yeah, and we just passed Columbus Day here in uh, the U.S. And that, of course, uh, in a lot of uh, states now is being replaced by Indigenous People's Day, which I would vastly prefer to celebrate than. Columbus Day. But anyway, so I don't have a lot to talk about again here at the top of the show. Uh, Just the usual, not a whole lot going on. There is the new Thor series coming out, and I'm kind of skeptical about it, but we do have this King Thor series coming out soon. Though uh, the first cover has art by Oliver Koipo. looks pretty good. But uh, I guess we'll see how that that all pans out. I really need to get caught up with the the current Thor series, and even on this show. I mean, we just barely kind of scratched the surface of the last Thor series. So there's still some... So much we haven't covered. So anyway, let's go ahead and move along to our review. Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard, where the booming heavens roar. You behold in breathless wonder the God of thunder, mighty Thor. And this week we are looking at the mighty Thor number 206. December 1972 is the cover date. 20 cents is the cover price. Cover artist by John Buscema shows Thor, and he is squaring off against the absorbing man. And he is kind of standing in the foreground with his arm drawn back like he's going to strike with his hammer. And we have the absorbing man in the background swinging his ball and chain at Thor. It's kind of aimed right in the middle of his chest. One of Thor's discs on his his, uh, uniform seat. Seems to have fallen off. Perhaps it was absorbed by the absorbing man. And the absorbing man is saying, Your own strength will destroy you, Thunder God. For mine is the power to absorb your might and to turn it against you. The hammer of Thor has supernatural power, but alas, so does the savage ball and chain of the absorbing man. The power of the absorbing man is the cover blurb, and we open up to the splash page. Jerry Conway is the scripter. John Buscema is the artist. Vinnie Coletta was the inker. John Costanza was the letterer. And Roy Thomas was the editor. And we open up with two kids, uh, look to be tween or young teens, and they are fishing. And they're on a lake or a river, and there's a purple house with a yellow roof in the background. And yeah, they're sitting there, and they're fishing. Oh, I guess we're in Rutland, Vermont. Yes, okay, Rutland, Vermont. We'll talk about this maybe at the end of the show, but Rutland, Vermont has a special place 
in comics or second largest city in the state rutland is a quiet town a peaceful town these last late days of summer and yet as in the past fate has a special use for rutland this crisp calm evening fate makes of it a stage and these the opening characters hey jack look at the sky it's a shooting star jack a crazy shooting star so what don't you understand hank the summer's over man nothing matters Nothing at all. The shooting star comes very close and it crashes near them with a badoom. Yeah, well, what about that, Jack? You telling me that don't matter? Is that what you're trying to say? Holy spit, says Hank. What is that thing, Hank? Some kind of ice or what? And it looks kind of glassy clear. Looks like glass. Look at the way it's smoking. Yeah, yeah, some sort of brown glass. Like what they keep flies in. You mean amber? Guess again, Hank, something's moving down there. Whatever it is, it ain't a fly. And we see a human figure uh, coming out of the wreckage of this uh, shooting star, whatever it is. And the two boys go running off in a panic, and it says, uh, ancient reflexes seize control of youthful limbs. Legs stretch, bodies lunge, and halt, stunned into statuesque immobility. Uh, they are frozen into place with a giant Zack, a uh, giant blue Zack. And we see a sort of energy bursting across the uh, sky. It says, following the sun west across the North American continent, a line of elemental power reaches to a distant desert mountain. For the space of a half a dozen heartbeats, it plays over the Nevada cliffside. And when at last the dust clears, something stirs under that loosened tonnage of rock and rubble. Something human. Something alive. And it is, of course, Crusher Creel, the absorbing man. And uh, he's got a bunch of rocks are, are being pushed off of him. And he says, free. I'm free. They thought I was finished. Thought that mountain had crushed me. But they was wrong. They left me for dead, but nothing can kill Crusher Creel. Crusher Creel, the absorbing man. I like, kind of like how he has to announce who he is to nobody in particular. Uh, we get a reference here to Crusher Creel's last appearance, which was apparently in The Incredible Hulk number 125. We then shift scenes that we are in New York City and Thor, and he is flying over the city. It says, count the minutes, the hours to the moment, sometime later the same evening, and turn with us to yet another stage, the concrete-covered Isle of Manhattan, yet another player, exiled god of Asgard, Thor. And he's kind of flying through the city as he normally does, landing on rooftops, etc., etc. Seven days have I strode these blackened rooftops. Seven days have I searched my innermost soul, and still... Still I do find no bitter remorse, only a weary sadness. Tis not this my father seeks. No less than full contrition will Odin accept. So I must remain on this madman's world, waiting, ever waiting, yearning for the day when Odin shall realize his grave error and lift this guilty burden, to think I did renounce the glories of Asgard for this. And yet, what other choice was there? For some cosmic plan, the All-Father did jeopardize the life of countless earth folk. And when I did berate him for this cruelty, he turned away and has kept me from him ever since. I, my choice, but was no choice at all. 
and he goes to Avengers Mansion, and Jarvis is there to, to meet him, and he goes striding in, and Jarvis says, Your pardon, sir. Do you want supper at the usual time? If you wish, I can serve it now. The others seem to have left for the weekend. And the Avengers, Jarvis, says Thor. Quite so, sir. They left soon after Master Fandral and the rest. I believe Master Fandral said something about a, a camping trip. I see, says Thor. That will be all, Jarvis. Thou mayest serve supper at the normal hour. As for me, I think I shall stay here for the nonce. This tube may be a grim companion, but at least it doth give no silent accusation. It but mirrors my private frustration, and that is quite enough. And we shift scenes again, and we are with Sif and Hildegard, and they have changed clothes, and they're dressed in the sort of very mod, very 1972. Sif has a short skirt, like a mini skirt on... And Hildegard is wearing kind of hippie chick garb. And they both have like these headbands that were really popular for about 10 minutes back in 1972. I, I remember them from, from when I was a kid. Anyway, and they have this weird looking, it's not a Quinjet, very clearly not. But it's some sort of an aircraft. And I'm guessing they got it from the Avengers. And they're at the side of the Hudson River and just kind of standing there talking. But lady. May we go back now? The stench of this river Hudson is nigh overpowering. Take heart, Hildegard. We'll only stay a moment longer. A moment, and then perhaps I'll truly understand my feeling for his land. Dost thou sense it, Hildegard? Attention. The pulse of something striving. Something almost alive. Tis the city, Hildegard. It doth live, even as we live. Perhaps tis this which doth attract the endless throngs, which keeps the people here... And twould be better they leave. Methinks it is more likely the lack of money that keeps them so, Milady Sif. Perhaps. And uh, we have uh, Sif sees something in the air flying uh, through the sky, and she's pointing to it, and we get a little bit of uh, exposition here. Silent, the wistful goddess turns her eyes westward, gazing idly at the cliffs of the New Jersey shore. Suddenly she gasps and points a trembling finger at the twilight sky. For a moment, the horizon seems empty. Then a dark speck appears framed against the stars. The speck grows, descends, and rebounds from the palisade wall, and it uh, bounces off the wall, and it is, of course, the absorbing man. Amen! Moeni, what doth it mean? says Hildegard. I know not, Hildegard, but look! And uh, the absorbing man is absorbed into something all purple. I'm not really sure what that is. Purple, magenta... I don't know, maybe he turned into rubber and bounced the whole way there from Arizona. I don't know. Anyway, uh, he goes, New York, it's been months since I've seen this blasted city. But somehow, somehow I had to come here. Something made me come here. A voice in my head. Arrgh! And he grabs onto his head like he's got a bad headache. It's back. It keeps coming back. Wants to make me do something. Make me find something. Someone. Thor. I gotta find Thor, and when I do, I gotta kill him. I gotta kill! And Sif and Hildegard make their way back to the uh, the spacecraft, or, oh, it's a hovercraft. It says, wordless, the two Asgardians race to the nearby hovercraft they borrowed from the Avengers. Their eyes are bright with anticipation, for many days have passed without the release of battle. Ah, so they're running there to change into their uh, their fighting clothes. So there we see Sif and Hildegard inside this hovercraft, and there's lockers in there like a, like a gym. And in spite of themselves, they welcome this unexpected distraction, little realizing the dread danger to come. And I guess they're changing clothes in there, and we shift to scenes to where Crusher Creel 
is destroying things. And we see people running away from a giant explosion that says Badoom. And it looks like that is actually Creole like bashing up some building or another. It says, For as they gird themselves for the coming encounter, mad chaos erupts a scant hundred yards away. Chaos in the frenzied form of a pain-racked crusher Creole. Chest heaving, he stands glaring in the moonlight, his body glistening with the sheen of molten metal. Already the process has begun, the uncanny power which has made him in truth the absorbing man. And he's grabbing onto his head, and he's obviously got a real bad headache, and he's like, why don't it stop? Why does it keep hurting? I gotta stop the pain. I gotta. And he shouts out, Thor, Crush a Creel's looking for you, Thunder God. He's going to tear this crummy town to pieces, you hear me? I'm going to wreck this place till I find you. I'm going to wreck it all. And he's, he's wrecking lots of building and rocks flying everywhere. There's a bunch of policemen here in their cars, very old-fashioned looking, like 19, early 1960s cars here. And uh, they're all uh, running around. There isn't anything we can do. He keeps yelling for Thor. I don't just stand there, man. Call Avengers HQ. Let them know what's happening here. Because if the Thunder God don't show up soon, we've got a problem. And uh, they're, they're shooting machine guns at him, and it's not having any effect. And something tells me this is one problem we can't handle alone. Move, mister. Move. And we shift to Avengers Mansion, and Jarvis comes rushing into the room where Thor is watching TV, and he says, Sir, an emergency notification from the police. Something about a disturbance on the west side. The most unusual creature. A man named Creel. Then stand ye back, Jarvis. When the alarm to arms doth sound, Thor must ever answer clear. And he takes his hammer, starts whipping it around, and he just smashes out the window of Avengers Mansion. Because, you know, opening the window is just a little bit too hard for Thor, I guess. And he goes crash out the window. And he's talking out loud to himself as he flies across Manhattan. Yet even in the most violent battle, may I bury that recurring guilt, or shall I bear it ere with me, upon me, till its weight doth bring me down, what that I but knew the answer, for I fear there is none. And we shift back to Sif and Hildegard, and they have changed into their armor, and they've got their swords, and they're rushing up to Creole, trying to stop him. To my side, Hildegard, we'll take this demon together, or we'll oppose it not at all. As thou dost command, my lady, Hildegard obeys. And they go to attack, and Creel sees them, and he's like, What are you, crazy? You think those tinfoil swords are going to hurt me? Me, the absorbent man? Go on, back to your kiddies. I don't fight with girls. That thou wouldst do well to flee, says Sif. For these girls would fight with thee. You're nuts, lady. There ain't nobody alive who can stop me. The cops found that out, and as much as it goes against my general principles... Now it's your turn. And Creel picks up a big iron girder, which he apparently has absorbed the properties of, and he throws it at them. And uh, Hildegard pushes Sif out of the way and says, Perhaps tis thou who will do the learning, my friend, for indeed there is much of which thou art basely ignorant. Man is not alone in strength. Nay, others also may possess it. And she catches the girder in midair, and she takes it and she is going to ram it right back into uh, the absorbing man. He says, may train it, discover its limits and skills, and ultimately use it as well. And she thrusts this thing against Crusher Creole and it, it crumples against him with this giant clang. And is just kind of, um, yeah, he's unaffected by it. 
You did that real well, Blondie. But you know what you proved? Nothing. I absorbed the power of that blow, just like I absorbed the strength of that girder. And now, little ladies, I'm going to show you just what that power can do. It ain't going to be pretty, but I promise you, it'll be quick. And he takes his ball and chain and he slams it down right in front of Hildegard and Sif and sends them flying with a whoom. And we shift to Thor and Thor is arriving on the scene as this happens and he, I guess he sees it and it says, divide an instant into its component parts. Action, reaction, and one more, observation. And of all the parts, this last is the most passive and the most frustrating. There is no involvement, only helpless perception agonizing awareness of one's utter unimportance in the eyes of blind destiny. And Thor arrives on the scene and he sees that Sif has been knocked out and he does not look happy. And we get more caption here. Of such frustration is grim determination forged. And it is this determination which lifts the thunder god's bowed head, which lights his face with an expression of the blackest hate and his soul of a remorseless fire. And we uh, switch scenes once again to a guy in a gray suit. And he is walking up to a, a spooky looking house. And he's uh, kind of walking past this purple tree. And uh, anyway, so um, we get a little bit of exposition here as well. But we've gone too long without the beginnings of an explanation. And though the final revelation is not yet forthcoming... Perhaps a momentary excursion to the moonlit hills of Vermont might provide the watchful reader with a telling clue. On a deserted side road near the dimly lit home of the man called Tom Kagan, and uh, I guess we've, apparently he's been in the Avengers before, so his last, first appearance was in Avengers 83. It says, A lonely figure beats a weary path only once calling out and receiving harsh welcome in return. Uh, so I guess he... Um, is called out and there's these two dogs going rawr, 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 and, and they're um, running towards him and uh, he lifts his hand and he says this person says back i stay thee stay back thou wilt need to find another meat poor as it is my skin is mine alone and uh, the, the dogs go whine rawr. yeah they're crying now and uh, the guy is coming out of this uh, house i guess this is tom kagan and he says satan diablo stay away from there First visitor in three months, and you try to drive him away. Crazy animals. Don't know why I keep them. Well, anything we can do for you, mister? And we have a, a guy with longish hair, kind of dark hair, and it looks like a, you know, he's unshaven. It looks like he could be a hobo or a bum or something. And he says, I, I was hoping thou wouldst help me kindly, sir. I seem to have lost my way. Well, now, that shouldn't be too difficult. Rutland's not exactly off the beaten trail, you know. Fact is, some folks will be dropping by in a few days for a little party. And from the looks of it, my friend, you could use some of the food we've laid in. My thanks, good stranger. I assure thee thou wilt be rewarded most handsomely. And we shift scenes, and we are back at the fight between Thor and the Absorbing Man. And Thor is, is dodging the, uh, the Absorbing Man's ball and chain with a wham. He's smashing the wall behind him. Yeah, they're going back and forth, and Crusher Creel says, Little man, I'm going to crush you. Maybe that'll make the pain go away. And right now, that's all I want. Just want to make the pain go away, he shouts. And he hurls the, the ball and chain at Thor, and Thor is able to deflect it with his hammer with a whack. And Thor says, And thou hast made a mistake most dear, for thy pain hath only begun. 
There ain't a single thing you can do to me, Thunder God. Once you touch me, your power's mine. I'll always be one step ahead of you. Always. Methinks thou dost assume too much, Crusher Creel, says Thor. Thou dost think I be a fool to expend my strength in one futile thrust. And yet Thor hath never played the jester, nor will he now. Rather, I do conserve the bulk of my power, and when the moment doth come to strike, then shall I truly strike, and not before. And he, he punches him with a block, and uh, the absorbing man goes uh, flying into a wall, which he hits with a womp, and, and the wall's coming down over him. And Sif and Hildegard apparently are awake again, and they're uh, watching. The Lord Thor, stay thy hand. I prithee, look here. The lady doth live, god of thunder. The purpose of thy anger hath been removed. Nay, Hildegard, say no more. Cannot thou see his eyes? Purpose hath already left him, and now only battle remains. And Crusher Creole is not harmed by being thrown into the wall, and he's getting up, and it looks like he's absorbed the properties of the uh, the concrete. And he says, the pain, the blasted pain's still there, pounding in my brain, throbbing and throbbing. I've had it, mister. I'm through playing courty games. I'm going to finish you real quick, and when I'm done, there won't be enough of you to wipe up with a spoon. Sponge, and he's getting ready to attack, and he's swinging uh, his ball and chain at Thor and missing. And he says, so have you god types got any sort of prayers you like to say, now's your chance to say them. Because believe me, Mr. Thunder God, after I'm done with you, you ain't going to be able to pray. Ever. And he takes his ball and chain and he uh, whips it around Thor. He gets to, like, ties him up with the chain. And he's trying to try to crush Thor using the, the chain. And we shift to a uh, cosmic voyeuroscope and somebody watching here. And uh, it is, of course, the vizier. And we're in Asgard. "'Tis worse than we ever feared, my lady. In a manner still unrevealed, this creature hath escaped the fate designed for him and doth near overpower the noble Thor. Carnilla, woman, art thou deaf? I tell thee that disaster hath befallen those exiled on earth, and thou dost but turn. Hast thou no care, no soul with which to pity? Yea, I do have a soul, vizier, yet it cares little for the blonde-haired god of thunder, Balder, who doth hold my heart. It is for Balder I fear. Why did he have to stand with rebellious Thor and more? Where stands he now? Ah, my lady, if only I knew. Each day Odin doth grow more bitter. Verily I do fear his imperial wrath. Almost it smacks of madness. Madness, old one? Please, thou must speak more clearly. Is it not already clear, known queen? Each day a new edict. The name of Thor shall not be mentioned, nor the names of Fandral, Hogan, Balder, nor the others, and more. Never again may God give legions to God, nay, legions only to Odin, a legions pledged by day, a legions sworn by night. Then tis true, says Cardella, the nightmare hath only now begun. O oh, brave Balder, why didst thou turn from me? Why didst thou have me unseal thy pledge? Dost thou hate me so? Am I so evil that thou must visit this black cruelty upon me? And there's a kind of ghostly image of Balder lurking behind her here and we shift scenes and we are with the warriors three and balder and they are like jarvis said they're camping and so we have the, the four of them and there's a very weird tent it looks almost like a carnival tent as opposed to a camping tent but anyway 
uh, Hogan is coming out of the uh, the tent, and he's talking to Fandral and Volstagg here, and they're all looking at Balder. He seems yet grim, Fandral. Perhaps thy plans have failed. We shall see, Hogan, says Fandral. And he goes up to talk to Balder. Balder, art thou sure thou wilt have no food? Tis a fine flounder we've landed. A pity to waste on fat Volstagg alone. I've no stomach for food, Fandral. My apologies. To hella with thine apologies, says Fandral. Thou art acting like a man dead. Thinkest thou we cannot care? I know, Fandral, but I cannot change my heart. Tis a fine thing, this emotion, love. It begs no leave. It doth come as it please. And neither God nor man may turn it aside. And so we leave lovesick Balder, and we are back at Thor's battle with the absorbing man. It says, Elsewhere on the planet Earth, events build to a world-shattering climax. A climax begun with a cry of rage and the flinging of a mystic hammer. And we see Thor flinging that mystic hammer. And it uh, flies up against uh, Crusher Creel's chain and ball, ball chain and deflects it with a spatang. You don't learn very fast, do you, Thundergod? Maybe you still don't get the picture. Anything me or my ball and chain touch, we absorb its power, including the powers of that crazy malady of yours. So come and get it, pretty boy. So apparently uh, he has absorbed the power of the Uru Hammer. Because believe me, this is something I've been waiting to do for a long time. A real long time. And he whips the chain around Thor's legs, ties Thor's feet together with a whit, and starts whipping him around in circles really, really fast. Uh, Let's him go, and he smashes through the window of a, a grocery store. Creel saying, What's the matter with you, Blondie? Somebody catch your tongue? And there's a big crash, and we see uh, Mr. Whipple here from the old Charmin commercials, and uh, there's a woman in the background, and uh, we see uh, Mr. Whipple is carrying a box of bananas, and he says, Oh, dear, they never warned me about things like this in management class. Mr. Whipple, what's happening? Says one of the customers. Mrs. Carpenter, I haven't the faintest idea. Please don't squeeze the Charmin. No, he doesn't say that part. But anyway, and so it should remain, mortal. The wars of gods are not for men to see. And he uh, gets his hammer and he flies back out of the store. And he's like, wait, wait, you can't just. Oh, forget it. I'm insured. Thor comes and he lands next to uh, the two women. And uh, Hildegard says, my lord Thor, art thou well? We did fear for thee. That last blow. Hush, Hildegard, says Sif. His eyes. Look not in mine eyes, fair lady, for the sight there is too cold for thee to see. At last I did sense what had lain hidden for so long, and so I did allow the creature a moment to escape, that we may follow. And we see uh, the absorbing man, and he is flying off, and we get a little bit more of the caption here. And so have him lead us to the one whose mind hath ever been behind this reckless battle. So the absorbing man is flying off. Uh, I guess the power of the Uru mallet makes him able to fly. I don't know. Anyway, my head hurting more than ever. Like someone's calling me, making me head north. Cripes, why won't it go away? And he lands next to the house that we saw earlier, the spooky house in Rutland, Vermont. And he's like, that house below. The voice is calling from there. I can feel it. And the caption says, The man called Crusher Creole pauses before the darkened house, feeling the breath heaving in his breast, the blood pounding in his veins. Slowly he steps forward and stops again, sensing perhaps an aura of evil about this lonely Vermont woodland. 
An evil centered in the shadowed house before him, curled like a living thing within its wooden walls. A thing which now unfolds, soft footsteps echoing behind the partly open door, blending in with the near whisper of creaking wood. says the door. Welcome, my friend. We have been expecting thee, says a voice. You, I know you. You're the guy who made me this way. The creep who gave me all my powers. And we see a green arm and a yellow glove. And we get a full page here. And yes, it is the evil Loki. And behind him is this old man uh, who we... uh, he actually looks a bit like my, my friend Jade. He's, he kind of looks out and he says, uh, Indeed, Crusher Creel, and let thee not forget what Loki hath given. Loki may also take away. Now enter, Crusher Creel, and be quick about it. I have no desire to entrance thee as I have this hapless human, for we've plans to make thou and I, plans which will truly seal the death of Thor. And yea, the end of the planet Earth. Next issue, A Night of Terror. And that is The Mighty Thor, number 206. And we'll be talking all about it right after this message. Space. The final frontier. These are the recordings of the podcast, Give Me That Star Trek. It's ongoing mission to explore all of Star Trek, to seek out new guests and new opinions, to boldly go where many have gone before. Give me that Star Trek. A new episode every month, only at fireandwaterpodcast.com and on iTunes. And we're back. And of course, we have a few things to say about this issue. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about Rutland, Vermont first. Now, Rutland, Vermont is not a special place per se. It's a small town in Vermont. And what's interesting about it is they have this annual Halloween parade every year, which is very heavily superhero based. Now, this character of Tom that appears in in this issue is actually a real person. We're going to be hearing a little bit more about this next time, but he is one of the founders of the Rutland Halloween Parade, and this is something that's appeared in a lot of different comics over the years. Now, what is happening in this issue, and indeed it's going to become far more important next issue, is that the Halloween Parade is a very unofficial Marvel DC crossover in the fall of 1972. This issue is included. Next issue is also included. It also includes uh, you know copies of Marvel superheroes, Justice League, and Batman. So there, there's this sort of little thread running through all those issues unofficially involving members of, of Marvel and DC writing staff. So we're, we're going to see more of this next time, but I just thought I'd give you a heads up. It's just serendipity that we're going to be covering the Rutland Halloween Parade on our episode, which airs on Halloween. I didn't actually plan that. It's just pure coincidence, but it's it's kind of a fun coincidence. Anyway, so it's a decently written issue, this. I mean, it's a little bit hard to follow with lots of jumping around, 
but I think it's it's written well enough. I think that Jerry Conway is, you know, he's known for the unevenness of, of the stuff that he writes. But here, I, I think it holds together pretty well. Contrived way of getting the absorbing man involved in this is a little odd. But yeah, okay. I, I guess I guess it's okay. Artwork in general is pretty good. I mean, Buscema's always good. Again, I don't think that, that uh, Vinnie Colada is a good inker for, for Buscema. And again, we have virtually no backgrounds throughout this entire issue. We have what backgrounds are there are really very exceptionally sparse. So, yeah, again, it's not a great inker for Busema, but the figures in general look look really good. And, and in particular, this last splash with with Loki uh, is is a particularly good page. And of course, we have uh, my good friend Jade also hanging out there in the background. <laughs> But anyway, um, yeah, we'll, we'll be seeing more of that next time. Um, uh, I think probably for me, the highlight of this issue, and I noticed it while in the reading, is the coloring is really good in this issue. It's not often that you get a coloring job that really kind of stands out. And, and this time, I think it really does. And maybe they're compensating for the lack of backgrounds by you know, doing a really good job of, of coloring the figures and, and making them look good. The, the absorbing man always looks good. Uh, there, there are some odd color choices, but of course they're stylistic choices. Now there is no colorist credit for this, um, but I'm willing to uh, say it's probably a production colorist. So yeah, we may never know who did the colors for it. Unfortunately, my go-to source for that kind of information, Mike's Amazing World, also doesn't list a colorist. So I'm guessing it's something that has never really been known. All right. And with that, it's time to wrap up the show. Once again, folks, thanks very much for listening. We really do appreciate it. And of course, uh, you can email the show. If you want to email us, just write to RadioFreeAsgard at gmail.com. You can also find us over on the Facebook. Just go over there and look for Radio Free Asgard and you will find us. And with that, I am back over the Rainbow Bridge. Back to Midgard, and we'll see you next time for Halloween here on Radio Free Asgard. Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast, and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review, send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends, if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard. <laughs>